Welcome to the Voices of Resilience podcast, a podcast series by NAMEL, a registered social enterprise and non-for-profit organization that helps forcibly displaced people earn a better living through dignified remote employment. We provide training and marketable skills and collaborate with organizations that support training in the digital skills required in today's digital economy. Hello again and welcome to the Voices of Resilience. I'm your host, Clay Lowe. And today we have yet another astonishing story of resilience and determination to survive for you. After the house behind them was hit with the bomb, Bara and her family knew that they needed to leave right then and there. And they left behind everything that they owned and headed for the Turkish border. And when you listen to this story and you realize what her and her family had to go through, again, it just, for me, it just, you know, I'm astonished by this determination to survive and being able to draw on an inner strength to help you start from zero and move across dangerous territory, go to a foreign place, place you don't speak the language, and start from zero. So... Without further ado, let's hear from... My name is Bara Aramadan. Uh, I'm 31 years old. Uh, I'm Syrian from Syria, but I live in Turkey. Uh, I'm a wife and a mother of three children. I recently graduated uh, from Information System Engineering uh, uh, University. Uh, my, my, I have a long journey with education. Uh, as uh, When I was young, I always was patient about uh, study and achieve uh, a university degree and work in a big company. But as a woman, uh, I, I went through a lot of restrictions from the society that I live in. And then after that, when I went through the war, uh, there was a lot of difficulties that uh, let me feel uh, disappointment and maybe... Uh, to stop everything I'm working on. But uh, thanks God, finally, uh, I was able to graduate um, from the university, from the field that I love. Uh, now I, I work as the Women in Tech Program Manager uh, in a company, in an NGO called Paper Airplanes. Uh, actually, I love my job because uh, it lets me uh, support a lot of women who some of them uh, had maybe stories that is similar to my journey, similar to my experience. So that's, uh, that makes sense for me that I, I, I was able to support other women and encourage them to get in the technical field. Okay. So I'm just interested or curious about your, you know, that if, we can, if you can take us back to the beginning where you were at that point where it's like, okay, it's time to migrate. If you can bring us back to that origin story. So how did that come about? And what was the final thing we just said? I've got to, I've got to go. Yeah. Uh, the world started in Syria in 2011. Uh, through that, I was married and I had uh, one daughter. Uh, the situation in Syria through the war was like a harmony. So we are used to all the difficulties that become through the war. So we used to to the listening electricity, to the, to the poor internet connection. Uh, but when it started bombing and uh, we were not safe, uh, we start escaping from a place to another. Uh, it's not easy to take this decision to leave your home and your country. Uh, we always had a hope that uh, one day it will end and uh, it will over the war will over 
and we can stay at our homes and uh, and continue our lives. Uh, but that didn't happen. Uh, we were bombed a lot of times, and uh, we started escaping from uh, a city to another city, from a home to another home, from a location to another location. Maybe it's maybe a little bit safer, but it's not safe. Mm. Uh, after that, uh, the 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 escaping escaping from the area that we we were in was so difficult, and it's uh, a little bit impossible to to leave the the city that I'm in during to a lot of restriction uh, and also making make it it's harder that uh, I I I give birth to my third child so we were a family of uh, five person three children me and my husband and taking this decision is so hard because it's risky and we don't want to risk with our ch- children and even staying in the in the city that we, we are living in is is a risk so yeah, it's really a hard decision. We were thinking every day of escaping. Maybe five years we are thinking of escaping, but we didn't take the decision uh, until in, in the at the point we we realized that the the situation become to be so harder. So one day, uh, bombing happened in the house that behind us, and the windows broken uh, on uh, of us. Mm. So we were so afraid. Our children, my my biggest daughter was just four years old, so she she was afraid, uh, and I can't uh, forget this this moment. That's I, I I feel my my daughter is afraid, but I I can't do anything for for it because I am also afraid, but I don't want to show her my my emotion. So in that point, we believe that there's nothing to lose. Uh, we will just try to leave. Uh, and maybe we have a hope that we can survive. So yeah, this moment in 2017, uh, we decided to that is yes, we should leave, and there is no hope to the the world will end, and we can keep in our city. Mm. And did you have to like leave every you know, leave with everything behind, or just very minimalist stuff that you brought brought with yeah, you? Yeah, sure. We were not able to bring anything with us. I just bring a small bag with some uh, children clothes and some uh, things that's need for children. Uh, and even this bag, we lost it through the the way when we we are living. Mm. Even this bag, we were not able to to bring with us. So yeah, it was a hard journey. It was about a week uh, journey uh, with uh, a lot of difficulties and risks. Right, and were you? You initially go into Turkey, or did you choose to go to Turkey? Is that the sort of route you take? Or yeah, the first yeah. step we just want to escape the bombing and the yeah. risk that we are in. So we went to the Turkish border because it was the the nearest safe area uh, to us. So we went in a whole week until we reached to the Turkish border, uh, and we went we went there. We are. We were not sure should we move to Turkey, so it's a big decision for us, or should we move to Damascus, for example? Damascus was a little bit safe, uh, but it's not. It was not safe for my husband. Mm. Uh, as for man, is the situation is so hard. Uh, yeah, we we still in the keep in the Turkish border for about four months. Uh, then we tried to to cross the border, uh, but we failed. We tried different times, so the, the the journey to cross the Turkish border was so hard, especially with three children, and it was winter and cold. 
after that, we I decided to take my children and go to Damascus. My family lives in Damascus. So uh, I went to my uh, family and my husband stayed in the Turkish border. Uh, he started working with uh, humanitarian, uh, humanitarian organizations as a doctor. Mm. Yeah, so we stay like that for one year. After that, uh, my husband was able to to enter Turkey as a doctor. Uh, so he he went in a legal way to went to Turkey. After that, he started the process of reunification. Yeah, and then mm. we were able to 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 get to Turkey. Uh, in a legal way. Yeah. Now, how long have you been in Turkey now? Uh, it's three years. Three years now you've been in. in and and I, I think I've, I've read. In 2000. Your, mm-hmm. I, think, I think I read in your bio that you had to learn Turkish as well, didn't you? So did you, you know. Yeah, sure. That's there, yeah. Yeah. When we, when we went to Turkey, when we start, when we reached to Turkey first, we should learn the language that, of the country that uh, I live in. My husband was still working in the Turkish border, so he was traveling. He he became with us uh, for one week, and then he went back to his job. So I was alone with three children in a foreign uh, country, in a foreign city, and and don't ha- know the language. So it was necessary for me to learn the Turkish language. It's it was hard because uh, uh, there there was no one to help me with the children. So I started a Turkish course. And I take the three children with me to the course. Mm. So you can imagine how was that stressful uh, to prepare the children before. Yeah, because how, how they some how activities you, to how give old some were activities. They? Uh, they they was seven, uh, four, and three years old. Yeah, I'm gonna say that is that's rough, isn't it? Seven, three, yeah. Because as kids, they just want to get it. They don't yeah, know what's they going want on to walk, to go, to play. So yeah. I was preparing some activities for them, like play doh, uh, colorful papers like something like that to make them still uh, calm d- during the the lessons but it was the only way that i will be able to learn turkish so yeah i i studied three level of turkish language uh, course uh, and now yeah now i can speak turkish very well okay and what strength did you draw because it takes a lot of resilience to you know you move in your whole family it's a young family and and all the um sort of trials and hardships that you had in the, the journey what did you draw on in terms of your strength what helped you to get through that that journey yeah because i have no choice i just want to survive and i want to find a uh, a safe future for my children so i didn't have any other choice i just want, want to rebuild myself to rebuild ourselves as a family uh when I when I started learning Turkish, I even started looking for a job. Even if it, it, it was hard, but mm. uh, I I should do that because uh, starting from zero, it's not something easy. So we came to Turkey with uh, with almost nothing. So we leave everything we have in Syria. Even with, when when I come with my children, we didn't we were, we were not able to, to take a lot of things with us. So yeah, the life was hard in the first year, especially. Yeah. Uh, until I was able to find my first job from home. So I started the journey of remote job because of I don't, didn't have any other choice. Okay. And what would you say during the, the journey? What's the thing that's had the biggest impact on you throughout your journey? Yeah, I can say that Impact has the biggest impact. Impact is a project conducted from World Food Programme. 
this program, this project uh, targets refugees and provide them with soft and uh, technical skills, and then matching them with a companies to to work. So it's like just a way for refugees to empower them and let them uh, work. Uh, this project, I joined this project uh, in a boot camp for, for uh, learning web development, uh, web development boot camp. Mm. I joined this boot camp uh, and passed it successfully, thank God. And then I get my first job opportunity after this project. So the first job opportunity was to work as a web uh, programmer. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's the, the biggest impact for me because uh, I didn't work. Uh, ever in Syria when I was in Syria so it was my ever first job opportunity right and I saw in your bio that um, tech like doing programming and, and development and you're encouraging women to to get into tech can you talk a little bit more about that or share a little bit more about your one your your your, your passion for tech and programming and why you think more women should get involved in it yeah, because the tech was the, my way to survive. Um, I, I started studying information system engineering when I was in Syria, but because of the war, I had to drop out, for, to drop off for about six years. Uh, after this six years, I felt that I will never go back to study programming again. So I feel so it's it's the end of my learning journey. But when I joined this bootcamp, I started uh, relearn what I learned before. Uh, and I had the patient again to complete my study. So when I get my first job opportunity, I, I realized that how it's important to keep study the field that I choose and how it's important to learn programming. I started learning already, but uh, it's not fair to leave after I had some knowledge about it. Uh, and this, this, this was my way to survive. And I believe that there's a lot of women who are interested in learning. A lot of women around me in learning programming or coding. But uh, maybe people feel that it's main domain field. So as a woman, we, we are shy to start learning programming or coding or even get in uh, courses to learn that because we feel it's male domain field. Yeah. Uh, but when I when I was able to do to do that to get my job opportunity and even work in another company and even I was able to complete my study and graduate, I believe that it's important to support and encourage other women. And in this point, I joined Paper Airplanes in the, for the Women in Tech program, and really I feel that I love my job because it's helped me. It, I I feel it's my message in the life. To, yeah. to help and empower other women that you can, I, I was able to do it, even if it was difficult. So you can do it. Right. And do you, do you, with the coding aspect, and I know one of the things that Namal uh, is about is the remote working and, and providing, or looking at that as an avenue for work. Do you, as a coder, work remotely or do you work in an office? No, I was not able to work in, a, in an office. As I told you, I'm a mother of three children and I don't have mm. anyone to help me with that. So that's the point. A lot of women were not, are not able to leave home to work. So it's an, an opportunity if I learn coding. And all of, all of my work uh, experience was from home. So I experienced remote working. And I feel it's a great opportunity for women and a great uh, chance for women to, to learn and work from home. 
Okay. And what would you say of, of all of that? Because you've done a lot and it's amazing, um, you know, again, as I said, the resilience to go through that and make that journey and and um, be where you are now. So what would you say the thing is that you're most proud of in all of of, of that journey so far? Yeah, maybe that's uh, I didn't give up. Uh, just keep trying. And I'm really proud of being uh, one of the women in tech team in paper airplanes. So I'm really proud of this opportunity because as I told you, I, th- I feel that it's my life message to, to do. Uh, and I'm really proud of all the people that I meet in, the, in this company because I meet people from different countries, from different ba- backgrounds. I explore other cultures. So that's maybe the most thing that I'm proud of. Excellent. And so, you know, a lot of people's sort of concept or idea of refugees is only through the media or the things they read in the paper or see on TV and, and the like. Uh, and a lot of times it's just, you know, it's there's a they have some other motive that they want to sort of paint the situation in. And so from your point of view, what do you wish that more people knew about refugees or migrants or displaced people? Yeah, I really wish that people realize that we are a human being uh, and we are like like you and like everybody. We have dreams, we have hopes. We didn't choose to be a refugees, a refugee. Uh, we didn't choose to be refugees. We didn't choose to leave our homes. We didn't leave our countries just because we want a better life. We really live because we want to survive. We want a uh, safe for our children, for our families. So, so yeah, just don't uh, deal with us just to be sad because you are a refugee. I, I know that it's sad that what all what we went through, but uh, I believe that all the difficulties that as a refugee we went through make us uh, stronger and make us more qualified people. So I, I think that there is a lot of successful story, not just me, maybe people who are more successful, successful than me, uh, who went from a lot of difficulties as a refugee and then we, they were able to success. Yeah, and and one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, I think, is again one to give voice to um, refugees and to, I think, for me, and I know as a you know doing the sort of presenting side of this, I've learned a lot in the number of interviews that I've done because it, you know, there's all these individual stories, so everyone's journey is going to be different, and it's, you know, getting to know people as individuals and not just as just title yeah. of refugee or migrant, you know, and I've, I think on one of the podcasts and I might as well do it on this one as well, just encourage people to, um, you know, if, if you, you, you run into someone in that situation, you know, go have a coffee, have a conversation, find out about their life and what they've kind of been through if, if they're willing to share. But I think it's that conversation, find out, um, and not just be driven by, you know, what we kind of see in, in the press. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So following on for that, how do you think that we can work towards changing the narrative and sort of breaking that stereotype? Yeah, one of the things that work can do is like this podcast, just to bring uh, refugees' voices, to to tell more stories, to, to, to help uh, refugees to share their stories. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I feel proud when I see the swimmers film on Netflix because it's it's still uh, the swimmers' stories. Who are two sisters, two refugees, who passed the, the who lived their countries and 
one of them uh, had the Olympic uh, shared in the Olympic. Mm. So yeah, the, I, I was proud when I see this film because I realized that a lot of people now maybe can imagine how it was hard the things that we went through, uh, and and how we we have hope and we can we can bust all the things and we can work and we can succeed. We can we can keep going on our dreams. Yeah, and that, and I think you just you know a couple of paragraphs back you said something that was really uh, poignant to me, and that was the you know that it makes you stronger. And if you you know me sitting here and reflecting, you know you're carrying on and you know raising a family and doing stuff under these conditions as well. So there's a there's a lot of strength in that. You know, a lot of people you know they're comfortable, they're you know yeah, <laughs> and they're doing the things that you're doing. Because I was more... comfortable. Yeah, when I was in Syria, <laughs> when I was at my home, I was comfortable. And yeah. I didn't imagine that one day I can do all of that. I didn't imagine ever. But as a refugees, we don't have another choice, especially mm. when we have children. So even if if just because of for us, for children, we need to keep going and keep working. Mm. Yeah, and that just speaks something to the human spirit as well, doesn't it? I think. So awesome. So... I want to thank you for giving up your time to come onto the podcast today and to share your story with us. Is there any final thing that you would like to say to the folks that are listening? Yeah, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I'm really proud to to meet you and telling my story. I just uh, hope that people uh, don't look for us, just we are refugees. We are a human being and just we need an opportunity. We need opportunities to work, to study, to empower ourselves. We just we don't need any just other helps. We just need opportunities for us to to work and support the community and the countries that hosted us. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. Thank you, Clay. Before ending our episode, we want to invite you to participate in the events organized as part of the Migration Summit 2023, which will happen throughout the month of April. The summit organized along with the MIT Refugee Action Hub and Quran Foundation, will explore the theme co-creating pathways to learning, livelihood and dignity through virtual and in-person events hosted by participating individuals and partners around the world. Make sure you check the Migration Summit website at migrationsummit.org to learn all you need to know about the events, sub-themes or different summit editions and subscribe to get updates.